Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Alexis. You're listening to Central Crazies Podcast. Where we tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we let our crazy flag fly free with no limit. So this episode is going to be mine, and it's me, Alexis. And Kelly. Yes. And so we have a special guest with us for this episode. It's one of our dear friends. His name is Jorge. So everybody, round of applause. Woo! Woo! Well, thank you, but uh, <coughs> I'm going to let you plug your shit in before I plug mine in. Okay. Okay, so guys, just remember on Instagram, you can follow us at central underscore crazies underscore podcast or email us at central crazies podcast at gmail.com. And Jorge? I'm everywhere. Just find me somewhere. That's all I need to tell you. <laughs> okay. Look, just look up J Man J. You'll find me. J Man J. J Man J. All right. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to tell you guys about. Uh, Canadian murderers. Oh, the Ken and Barbie killers. Yes. What? The Ken and Barbie killers. Have you ever heard of them? No, like the Barbie dolls? Like, No, this is what they were nicknamed. You need to see what they look like, Jorge. <clears throat> I should have like a slideshow for this. All <laughs> I'm picturing is like... Like <laughs> like somebody killing people to I'm a Barbie girl, <laughs> to like that song. <laughs> hey, that's the song I want to freaking um. See, this is what they look like. They were a couple. That's the song I want to kill too. <laughs> no, that's the song I want to freaking um. I want a karaoke. That that's them. Okay. Someone's blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hence their name. Oh, so. I thought that was her hair, not her veil. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. <laughs> no, that's her veil. <clears throat> okay, so before I get started telling you about the Ken and Barbie killers, I want to tell you a little backstory about what's going on in the area where they are. So they're in Scarborough, Canada. Canada. Hey. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Okay, yes, so they're in Scarborough, Canada, and uh, there's a rapist on the loose there. So he's known as the Scarborough Rapist. I know, super clever, but... Makes sense. But, so ranging from May 4th, 1987. May the 4th be with you. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was his first rape. So that was the Ken. He what? That was Ken. No, that was the Scarborough rapist. Oh. Is it like you get a, like a buy one get one <laughs> free? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like a little added bonus. Because it's a very rare that like two people like messing up are like caught in the same time. It's like that meme of that Spider-Man pointing at the other Spider-Man. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> I love that meme. 
that freaking meme. <laughs> so, okay, so May the 4th, the first rape was against a 21-year-old woman, and it was in front of her parents' house. After he had followed her home, and the attack lasted more than half an hour. Dang. And then 10 days later, another rape occurred. And this one was brought on to a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. In her backyard? Yeah. And it lasted over an hour. Dang. And then June 27th, 1987, a third rape occurred. Wait, so these are just rapes and not murders? Nope, just rapes. So the third rape occurred, and this young woman was beaten so badly, but she got away because she fought back, and it scared him. Oh, so, like, he stopped? Yes. And so I'm going to intertwine facts. Like, I'm going to tell you about the Scarborough rapist, and then I'm going to tell you about how... uh, how Ken met Barbie. Okay. Okay. So in October of 1987, Ken met Barbie, a.k.a. Paul Bernardo met Carla Homaka. Oh, my God, yeah. Let's just stick to Ken and Barbie. <laughs> Those names, oh, my gosh. No, not, I, not the way you pronounce it, just the names in general. Like. Homaka? Oh, I always forget how to say Hamaka. Carla's last name. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. <laughs> So they met inside a restaurant in a hotel in Scarborough, Canada. And there was an instant attraction, and they hooked up within hours of knowing each other. Right. Because there was an instant spark of connection. So they began dating. And they were willing to make a two-hour commute to make their relationship work. All right. Sounds like they were really into each other. Yes. And... It just made him feel, it made Paul feel good because the Homalka family loved him. Like, Carla had two younger sisters, and they looked up to him as an older brother that they had never had. And then December 16th, 1987, the Scarborough rapist strikes again. So, this time it was against a 15-year-old girl. This rape had lasted about one hour. The following day, the Toronto police issued a warning to women in Scarsboro, saying, don't travel alone, especially those taking buses. And then, so there's a lot of dates. It ranges from December 23rd, April 18th of 1988, all the way up to October 4th of 1988. So I'm just going to spare you all those details and just jump ahead. But So the Scarborough rapists like continued raping all those dates? Yeah, so what? as of October 4th, 1988, he's up to his seventh. And, and this particular one... Uh, He intended to rape her, but she fought him off. 
but he was able to leave two stab wounds to her thigh and buttocks, which made her require 12 stitches. So he stabbed her? Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, that wasn't common. No. So, one year into Carla's relationship with Paul, she confides in a friend that Paul is starting to be very verbally abusive to, towards her. But she forgives him, you know. Blinded by love. Yeah. Blinded by love. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to sing the rest of them. <laughs> okay, and then for the Scarborough Rapist, so he gets up to his eighth rape. And that's after having some attempts and just failing because, like, the girl will fight him and he runs off scared. So this happened on August 15th, 1989. It was against a 22-year-old woman. He had stalked her the previous night from outside the window of her apartment and waited for her to arrive home. Does that remind you of anybody? Uh, BTK? Yeah, that gave me the vibes when I was looking this up, and I'm just like, mm. Right? <laughs> Scary. Yeah, and this attack lasted two hours. Dang. And then the 10th one on December 22nd, 1989, was against a 19-year-old, and uh, this attack occurred in a stairwell of an underground parking lot, and it lasted 30 minutes. But, so I'm going to take a second on the, like, sad news, but Paul and Carla got engaged on Christmas Eve of 1989 at Niagara Falls. Oh, that's so romantic. Niagara Falls? Yeah, uh, I got to go there whenever I was, what, in, like, 2008? Hmm. And if you ever get a chance, I recommend you go. It's fun. Yeah, it seems cool. I haven't got to go. If I ever go back, I'm going to do the thing where they throw you over the waterfall in a... (laughs) What? Wait, they throw you under the water, over the waterfall? Like, they put you in a barrel. Yeah, in a barrel. What? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so dangerous. I mean, you have to sign something before you do it, but. Yeah, you have to sign something for everything nowadays. But I think I would do it. Uh, I'm scared of heights, but. I do mean, it. Do I'm it. Come do it with me. Scared Yolo. of water. I'm scared of water. <coughs> I can't swim, so. They have lifeguards. Heck no. What if I go in like. Go over the the edge and hit down, and next thing I know, Donkey Kong's picking me up, trying to break this barrel. <laughs> like I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> it's barely possible. <laughs> Donkey Kong. So this is, so this is like the same dude. I don't know. Is it? That's what it looks like. So this whole time, he's with Carla, courting her, 
abusing her, getting engaged to her, and he's raping women on the side. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That's what it seems like. So, uh, uh, May 26, 1990, rape numero 11 was committed. This rape lasted an hour. However, this nice 19-year-old victim's vivid recollection... I'm done. I can't talk. (laughs) Okay. Recollection of her attacker permitted police to make a computer composite photograph, which which was released two days later by the police and published in Toronto and area newspapers. So, mm, I'm scared. Oh. So, uh, July 1990, two months after receiving the tip that Paul fit the Scarborough rapist composite, he was interviewed by the police, he, two police, like, and they were both detectives. But nothing ever came of it, and he was shortly released after. And uh, Carla had told one of her friends that her and Paul were were happier than ever. She continued to gush about him, saying stuff along the lines of, he's beyond amazing, he is so romantic, and that's her honey and her king. Uh, Cringing. But the truth that three years into the relationship... Paul Bernardo was getting bored. Oh, they've been together three years now? Mm-hmm. Yep, because they met in 87. Had they gotten married yet? No, they're still engaged. <clears throat> yeah, so he was getting bored, and he was in between jobs because he was an accountant, but his friend had got him on as with the job as a... Smuggling cigarettes across the Canadian and U.S. border. Wait, why? <laughs> because he needed to make money and he wasn't going anywhere. But why do people smuggle cigarettes? Do they not have them? I, you know, I'm I not really sure. I think the taxes are like ridiculous in Canada. Like I think they're so much higher that it's cheaper to buy them in America and try to get them over there and sell them. Like the medicine and stuff. Like a medicine, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's, it's kind of like backwards because I think the, the cigarettes coming from America are cheaper going. Into Canada, and the medicine's cheaper coming out of Canada into America. Hmm. Oh, okay. I was like, hmm. smuggling cigarettes? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't question it. but <laughs> So, July 1990, Carla stole a jar of Valium from her job. And she worked at a veterinarian clinic, and she laced her sister's spaghetti. <laughs> Why? So... She then allowed Paul to have his way with her. Her sister? Yeah. Or the spaghetti. Her little sister? Her little sister, Tammy. Wait, how old is her sister? Fifteen. And how old was... That's low even for, like, a fucking... How old was Paul at this point? Like... So, he was 23 when they met, and... So, they'd be, like, 26? Yeah-ish. And uh, Carla was 17 when she met him. So she's 20. 20 now, yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. And uh, when Tammy came to, uh, so Paul was 
done and whatnot. So uh, Carla had just convinced her that she had dozed off. So. What? Yeah, she was like, oh, you just fell asleep. Like, what happened? I gave you puppy volume and <laughs> you passed out. That's crazy. And to think I was, like, all excited to go have spaghetti for, like, the first time in uh, forever. <laughs> and now I kind of don't. Dude, wait, are you about to have spaghetti? No, but I was, like, I'll make like, you I was, some. like, going to find, like, somebody <laughs> to make some or I was going to go get some Dude, or something. I love spaghetti. I and want then some then spaghetti. And now it's, like, now I'm, like, um. Love me some spaghetti. I'll make you some spaghetti. Depends on who's making it. Have you been to the vet lately? <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> nope. Uh, she just, she just, she just nodded at me. Troll. <laughs> <laughs> She's been trying to touch my headband all day, and she finally did it. Why? Why? What's special about it? Nothing. She just, just wanted to touch it, it so bad, soft. and I kept telling her no. <laughs> You told me yes, and then I would go for it, and she would yank her head away. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. okay. Okay. So, uh, Carla was described as a well-adjusted, pretty, smart, and popular woman. So, it blew her away that she was losing her intense interest that Paul had had in her. Oh, that he was, like, losing interest in mm-hmm. her? So... Paul had complained about the fact that Carla was not a virgin when they met. And so this turned his sick attention elsewhere. And that's how he got interested in Tammy. That was to Carla's 15-year-old sister, Tammy. But she did like a like how, a virgin sacrifice. How the fuck do you even bring this up? Right? To your girl, I, yeah. to your fiance like, "Oh, like you weren't a virgin when we met, so like can I have your sister?" Mm-hmm. That's 15. And can you drug her so she doesn't know about Like, what? It's like, it's like he asked this question and, like, she didn't even question it. She's like, will that make you happy? Like, no. Um, so, yeah, so Carla was all about pleasing her man. And so another thing that she would do, she broke the shade that was in... Tammy's bedroom to her window so Paul could peek and watch her undress and he would uh, touch himself and Carla would come help him. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) So like he is literally peeping on her 15 year old sister and she's like helping him get off. Yep. While Oh, yeah, I was researching this, and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so um, November 20th, 1990, investigators did question Paul for a second time because he lived in his his parents' house in Scarborough at the time, and it it would just fit if he was the guy. Mm -hmm. So... The interview lasted 35 minutes, and he was cooperative and provided DNA samples like blood, hair, and saliva for the detectives. That's weird that he was cooperative because I would feel like he would leave behind, because he did, like, over 11 rapes, so I feel like he would leave behind some fucking DNA. Yes, um, but DNA in Canada around the 90s was very slow. 
Like, they were so behind. Really? Yeah. Dang. So, he honestly, he wasn't scared. So, he got very cocky about it. Damn. So, when the detectives asked him why he thought he was being questioned, he replied, I guess the sketch does kind of look like me. It made me think of Ted Bundy. Right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That is such a Ted thing to say. (laughs) Bro, that sketch was crazy, though. That, like, composite picture of him. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that the one? Mm -hmm. That's one of Paul? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Crazy. Like, little, like, Ken doll-looking dude. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a Ken doll, bro. (laughs) Like, I'm like, how did you do all these rapes if you're not anatomically correct, Ken? What did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. um, And Paul would take out Tammy, Carla's younger sister, and they'd be gone for hours. And he would take her out across the border to get beer for a party, which that would piss Carla off because, like, she knew. Yeah. Like, why are you gone so long with my sister? And so Paul later lied to her and said that they got drunk and they ended up making out. They didn't? No. They just went to go get beer for a party across the border. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of being livid at the request that her fiancé just made, she leans into Paul's desires. She told Paul that she wanted him to have her little sister's virginity for his Christmas present. Wait, is this before the spaghetti or after yeah, the spaghetti? Yeah, I thought he No, the spaghetti's before. So, like, he didn't full-on have sex with her. He just, like, messed around and touched her. Oh, okay. Oh, I was like, okay, so now, now it makes more sense as to why she'd yeah. be like, oh, okay, I dozed off. Yeah, sorry. Now on my spaghetti. <laughs> more spaghetti? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a guy, I'm, I'm, and then, like, you get, like, a glass of milk to try to help you sleep. <laughs> like, I'm going to go get a cup of spaghetti real quick. <laughs> I really want spaghetti, bro. <laughs> I haven't had it in forever. I know. Yeah, I, I like spaghetti. Hey, Kelly, do you put ranch in your spaghetti? Uh. Okay. Hey, there's no wrong answer here. There's. I, he'll never, judge you, but I'm not judging you. I've never done it. I've never heard of doing that. Thank you. Oh, why? The best. You should you try Because you were Wait. close to getting Valium in it is why. <laughs> do not put Whoa. rats in your spaghetti. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, do you, like, put enough to where it's, like, you don't put the sauce? No. No, no, no. no you have the sauce. It's you like regular spaghetti. You just put uh, ranch on it. No, like, okay, okay. I know this sounds gross, but stay with me. Okay. <laughs> okay, you like to dip your pizza in ranch. Yeah. He does not. So, sidebar. sidebar (laughs) okay so you don't put like a water ranch you just put a little bit and then you mix it in I mean I try it and it's good (laughs) it's good (laughs) okay sorry Um, and I'm just saying if you come over and I make you spaghetti I won't lace it with ranch I'll let you put your own ranch so you don't get iffy and your own value. 
Yeah. Wait, you're going to put volume in it? Wait, which one are you not lacing it with? Are you not lacing a volume or ranch? I need to know these things. Kelly, ranch is code word. I put lots of ranch in there for you, Kelly. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) Okay, okay. So on December 23rd, 1990, while at a Christmas party for the Hamalka family, Carla had spiked Tammy's drink with the animal anesthetic. Like stuff to make animals sleep? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. (laughs) And uh, so she put it in her, I think she made her eggnog and rum or something like that. And then, so that first drink she made her and then that didn't knock her out. And then um, Paul came back and he made her another drink more stuff in it so he made her a screwdriver with more sleeping stuff in it oh my god which that screwdriver is gross i love screwdrivers <laughs> i just feel bad but she's getting drugged with animal fucking things too at oh. that yes however that night, while the rest of the family was asleep, Tammy was unconscious. And uh, Carla had held a halothane-soaked cloth, which... The chloroform? Yeah, it, like, puts the animals to sleep whenever they have to do surgery. Which, with Carla working at a veterinarian clinic, she should know that being under that... You shouldn't eat, you shouldn't drink for 24 hours because there's a possibility of choking. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, she's holding this over her mouth and her nose. And this is while Carla allowed Paul to continue raping her. And he was videotaping everything. And... And... Uh, Carla even participated. Like, Wait, what are, so is the rest of the family still in the house? To, oh yeah, this? like the rest of the family is asleep. Wasn't this like in the basement? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just want to say I've seen the autopsy photos. Yes, of Tammy. Oh fuck! Spoiler alert: Tammy died, and <laughs> like. The fucking chemical burns on her face, bro. Yeah. Um, like, I, it's bad. So. It must have been from that rag. I don't know. Yeah. So whenever Tammy began to choke, she was vomiting a lot. And so they called the, pol- they called the ambulance and, and she did die because she was pronounced dead at the hospital. And the chemical burn, Carla noted it as the acid from, like, her throw-up that burned her, which, no. No, you need to fucking see the pictures, dude. Like, her face is literally, like, burnt, bro. And some people wrote it off as rug burn. No. Oh, no. It's literally a chemical burn. Yeah. 
It is. And what was she using a freaking beach towel to do this? No, just a cloth. That's like she had to have been struggling. There's no way it got that far. I don't wonder because it's like all the way back to her ear. Mm-hmm. So it's like how you know, like how much are you moving that? Probably cloth like when she was choking or like. Oh. And plus, Carla was participating, so mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. But her death was ruled as an accident due to the result of choking on her vomit from alcohol poisoning. So, because were the parents aware, like, the parents were there, right? Because it was the family Christmas party. Yeah, they were asleep, though. So, they just thought that she had been drinking, like, rum and eggnog or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So, they thought that, like, she had just died by an accident. Yes, and before the ambulance got there, they... Carried her up to her room to make it seem like she was laying down. And this all happened while she was just by herself. Oh, they weren't even in there. Mm-mm. They just left her in there? They got her dressed and then left her in there and, like, acted like they were trying to, like, resuscitate her. Oh. Yep. Wow. And it was ruled an accident. Yes. Wow. So... Paul's appetite for blood after the murder of Tammy only increased. And is Carly, like, sad at all that her fucking little sister, like, died? So, there is this note that I'll read you later, but it does touch the subject that she's like, I wish it could have been me, but I don't know if I believe that. But I do think she's kind of sorry, but she's like, I'm sad every single day. But I don't know. Like, I wouldn't do that to one of my siblings. Right. I mean, given I have a brother, but. Because <laughs> she was already aiding in him, like, peeping on her and raping it, her. It sounds like it wasn't more of her, like, being sad that that happened, but that it wasn't happening to her. Like, he wasn't wanting to do anything to her. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the sexual desire wasn't for her. It was for other people. And so she's kind of like, I wish it had been me. Like, And, yeah. like, that's the thing is you know that I mean? he's not going to ever be fulfilled because he has a fucking issue. Yeah, and if she keeps feeding there that, is, yeah. there is no perfect girl for him. He wants to hurt women. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Not even women, just girls. Like, Tammy was 15. So were some of his other victims. What, like, 19 and under? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some, there was one that was like 22, I think, but there was other ones that were 15 when he was the Scarborough rapist, I read. Yep. So, so they're engaged, and he began to express doubts about their upcoming marriage. And no proof is good enough for some people, but whatever else she was, Carla was not a quitter. And... And she needed his acceptance, so in 1991, she lured, lured, she lured, I don't know, (laughs) yes, thank you, a young friend of hers, known in the court as Jane Doe. Nobody to this day, like, knows her real name, and we're not going to look it up to follow it through. So, the couple's home or so she brought her young friend to her home. And she then called Paul on his cell phone to 
to tell her soon-to-be hubby that she had a wedding gift waiting for him. So keep in mind, Carla drugged her friend twice. So this friend that she brought came over twice, and she did this to her. Oh, my gosh. And she had no idea. And she did the same thing with the medicine that she has to put over her mouth and her nose and knock her out. And she ha- she knew the outcome that came from her sister, so why would she even do that if she weren't, like, mentally okay with, like, what the outcome could have been? Yeah. Like, you already killed your sister that way. Mm-hmm. And... On June 15th, 1991, Paul took a detour through Burlington, not the store, <laughs> halfway through Toronto in State Catharines to steal license, license plates. And he found a 14-year-old girl named, named Leslie Maffey. Mahaffey? I don't know. Uh, She had missed her curfew after attending a funeral. So she was locked out of her house because her parents were trying to teach her a lesson that, like, if you can't come home on time, like, you're going to stay outside for a little bit. Which I get the tough love, but, like, I bet they're kicking themselves. Why do I feel like I've heard this before? Because you probably have. And... And so um, she couldn't find anybody to stay with overnight. And this is, keep in mind, this is around 2 in the morning. So uh, Paul sees her, and he gets out of his car. And he's, like, walking up by her house. If it's 2 in the morning and a random guy walks up to me, uh-uh. And it, the way he, like, calmed her down, he was like, man... Your neighbors are home. I was going to rob them. And she's like, whoa, that's badass. Like, do you have a cigarette? What the hell? <laughs> nuh Yeah. That's what happened? Yeah. And so he said yes, and he led her to the car. And then he proceeded to blindfold her, and he forced her into his vehicle. And he drove her to Port... Dalhousie or Dalhousie, <laughs> whatever it is, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. <coughs> Where he informed Carla that he had a playmate. Paul and Carla videotaped themselves torturing and sexually abusing Leslie, all while listening to Bob Marley and David Bowie. David Bowie. I know. I love David Bowie. Me too. What the hell? I mean, I guess murderers like music too. But and spaghetti. And spaghetti. So this dude looks a lot like Lou Diamond Phillips when he was younger. Who's that? Uh, so that's Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. And so I can kind of like see why she would have just been like, okay, you're pretty cool. Because it's like, you know, you get like this like. Almost like Ted Bundy being like a cool looking, like mm-hmm. handsome guy, and 
acting all cool and being like, oh, shit, I was going to take all their shit, but they're here. <laughs> I can't do that no more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> so I could, I can see him being able to lure these girls. Mm-hmm. Plus, she was only 14. Yeah. So she was like, oh, this guy's cute. Like, mm-hmm. Andy has cigarettes. Like, let's oh, go. Cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, at the point, um, Paul had said to her, you're doing a good job, Leslie. A damn good job. And then he added, next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now you're scoring a perfect score. What the fuck? Yeah. And uh, on another segment of the tape, played at Paul's trial later on. Because, like, spoiler, but, like, he does get, they do get caught in... He does have to, he does get sentenced. So, um, Leslie cried out in pain and begged Paul to stop. And in the Crown prosecution description of the scene, he was sodomizing her while her hands were bound with twine. Later, Leslie told Paul that her blindfold seemed to be slipping and... She was pretty sure that if she were to tell him, like, it's slipping and, like, I don't want to, like, see what's around me so I don't know where I'm at, like, he would let her live. Mm-hmm. But, no. So the following day, Paul claimed Carla had fed hit or fed her a legal dose of the, uh, what's it called, the Hallison? Hallison, I don't know what the. Is that that stuff that she used? Yeah, to the keep? stuff for the surgery with dogs. So, um, Carla claimed that that wasn't true, and that Paul had strangled her, and both of them have had moved the body to the basement. And that following day, they had dinner with Carla's family at their house. Wow. And so after the family had left. That's so sad. Yeah. That she thought that she was going to get away. Mm-hmm. And they can't decide, like, it says that Carla claimed that Paul strangled her, but then. Yeah, but he's like, she dosed her, so. They're, like, throwing each other under the bus mm-hmm. for that one? Yes. And then. So after the family had left and Carla's other sister, Lori, uh, but so they had left and then they had been trying to figure out the best way to dispose of the body. And the way that they decided to do this was to dismember Leslie Moffey. And encased each piece in cement. Paul bought a dozen bags of cement at a hardware store the following day. And he kept the receipts, receipts which would prove damaging at his trial. So to dismember her, 
Paul used his grandfather's circular saw to cut the body. Uh. So Paul and Carla then made numerous trips to the dump or to dump the cement blocks in Lake Gibson. And at least one of the blocks weighed 200 pounds and proved improved beyond the pair's patience and ability to sink. So, but they must have thought that they were invincible, or Paul at least, because they decided that they were going to get married the next day. Or that they were going to get married on... June 29th, 1991. So shortly after, but it wasn't the next day. And then the same day that they did get married, so their happiest day of their life, one of the cement blocks makes an appearance on the near shore. And it was found by a father and a son on a fishing trip. And it was confirmed to be the remains of Leslie Moffey through orthodontic dental records. So I wonder, like, what made them, like, crack it open to see, like, if it was a body or not. Okay, I'm glad you asked that. (laughs) Because, uh, like, there were some cement blocks that had, like, her foot still kind of sticking out. Or, like, her hair was still showing. So they painted some of them. Oh, So, she had darker hair, so they painted it black. What the heck? Mm Mm-hmm. To hide it. And on April 16th, 1992, Paul and Carla were driving through St. Catharines to look for another potential victim. So, now they're just, like, killing people now together. They're just, like... Because, like, it kind of seems like they enjoyed... The kill now, right? Like, it doesn't really look like it's an accident anymore. See, like, I don't think, like, the kill's, like, the intention. But I feel like if... I don't know. I don't know, like, why it's... I don't know. Like, there were some things that said, like, Carla was going to be going to work and she didn't want one of these girls, like, left in her house. And so Paul was like, okay, I'll take care of it. Like, But I don't know. That one's just a hearsay. Like, I don't know. Right. But, okay, so, like, they were strolling through or driving through St. Catharines for a potential victim. And this was after school hours on the day before Good Friday. The students were still going home, but but by the large number, um, the streets were empty. As they passed Holy Cross Secondary School, a main Catholic high school in the city north end, they spotted Kristen French, a 15-year-old student. She was walking briskly to her nearby home, and the couple had pulled into a parking lot, and it was by the nearby Grace Lutheran Church, and Carla got out of the car with a map in her hand and pretended to need assistance. So Kristen walked over to her, 
and offered her help. And so Paul came up from behind and put a knife into, like, her side, like, just, like, gently, like, pressure and stuff. Uh-huh. And forced her into the front seat. So from the back seat, Carla controlled the girl by pulling her down by her hair. You know, and I bet that she had, like, no... I bet she was just like, oh, this looks like a nice, lovely couple, like... Yeah. I bet she had, like, she felt safe mm-hmm. stopping to help them. Yeah, and, like, it's Canada. Like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, what? Tommy Cho, like, makes him think, like, Canada's, like, perfect. <laughs> exactly. Like, everybody's supposed to be nice, and... I know, they that are... Was, that was a thing that happened this last, like, last basketball season when the Raptors finally won for the first time. Like, the whole uh, playoffs. And they were doing, like, interviews with, like, Canadian people. So they talked to, like, the American people and be like, what do you guys think, say about Canada? And they, like, start trash-talking the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And they went to Can- the Canadian. They're like, what do you guys, you guys got anything ba- uh, anything to say about the other team? And they're like, no, why would we talk bad about them? <laughs> and, like, they refused to, like, trash-talk. It was so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, we're always down to trash-talk here in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but guys, we're going to take a short break. All right, we're back. So, yeah, so you would always expect people in Canada to be nice. And so, like, you're going to help them without hesitation. But, so keep in mind that Kristen took the same route route home every single day. And it took her about 15 minutes to get home, and she needed to get home because she needed to take care of her dog. So after she would have arrived, and her parents got a little worried. So they notified the police, and within 24 hours, the NRP, which is the Niagara Regional Police, had assembled a team and searched the area along her route and found several witnesses who had seen the abduction from different locations, thus giving the police a fairly clear picture. And Kristen had left one of her shoes and ripped off part of the map that Carla was using. And... It was later to be proof, like, to have, like, fingerprints or, like, DNA or something on it. And they found it in the parking lot. So, over the Easter weekend, Paul and Carla videotaped themselves as they tortured, raped, and sodomized Kristen French. Forcing her to drink large amounts of alcohol and to behave submissively to Paul. And, okay, so it was also said that Paul really liked her. Like, he kept her around the longest out of, like, all of them. Because, like, usually he would like the girls to be very submissive, but, like, she had a little bit of a bite, and he was like, hmm, okay. And... I don't know. 
I mean, like, honestly, like, I think if he were to let anybody go, it would have been her. Mm-hmm. But he didn't even bother, like, blindfolding her, so he said that he always intended to kill her. Because she knew, like, where they lived and what they looked mm-hmm. like and, like, literally everything. Mm-hmm. She could have led them right to where they lived and whatnot. Yep. And on April 18th, uh, Paul was spotted by Carrie Patrich, whom he had stalked the previous month while he was out buying pizza. So keep in mind, Carla is at home watching Kristen French, and Paul's out here preying on another girl. Kristen's still alive? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he went to just refuel. (laughs) All right. Yeah, so her report to NRP was mishandled by the police. As noted by Judge Archie Campbell in his 1995 inquiry into the police investigation of Paul's crimes, thus negating any chance of Kristen French's being discovered at Paul's house. So literally the only thing linking it to that was the videotape. So the following day, the couple murdered Kristen before going to Carla's family's house for Easter dinner. So Carla testified that at her trailer, trailer, at her trailer, at her trial, (laughs) that Paul had strangled Kristen. I'm not laughing because he strangled her, just to be clear. I'm laughing because I messed up. (laughs) She can't talk today. Ever. So, Paul had strangled Kristen for exactly seven minutes while she watched. Paul said Carla beat her with a rubber mallet because she tried to escape while he was out getting pizza. And that Kristen ended up being strangled strangled on a noose tied around her neck, secured to a hope chest. I have a hope chest. Immediately. I cannot talk. Immediately. Oh, my God. I'm done. (laughs) Okay. So, thereafter, Carla went to fix her hair. So, she went to. So, she had to get ready to go to her family's house. So, she had to go blow dry her hair. It's just crazy that these people, like. Why is it? It's like a recurring thing where they do these murders and then they go to the family. I know. It's just like. (laughs) Imagine just like eating dinner and like not knowing. It's like you know, it's like the weird thing. Like if you, uh, if you like have sex before you go to like a family gathering, and you kind of feel like people can tell. Yes. And then to be like, can they tell I killed someone? Do they know? <laughs> <laughs> like especially like, like yeah. freaking Tammy, like the yeah. little sister. Woo. That. That would be some guilt. I would think, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, They had put Kristen French's nude body in a ditch, and it was found on April 30th, 1992, in Burlington. And that was approximately 45 minutes from St. Catharines. And a short distance from the cemetery where Leslie Moffey was. 
buried. Mm. She had been washed and her hair had been cut. It was originally thought that the hair was removed as a trophy, but Carla testified that the hair had been cut to make it harder to identify. But she was identified. Yes. So. And shortly after, the police realized that the two murders were connected. After the release of the composition sketch that resembled Paul Bernardo, tips were called in. Some from co-workers and friends who reported Paul's disturbance for violence. Or disturbing so violence. Why what what is this violence that friends and coworkers notice? That's what I want to know. Like I know that Tammy said or not Tammy, um, Carla said that he had been like verbally abusive, but like that's with their relationship. Like I wonder what friends and coworkers saw. I mean, like, keep in mind, like, he didn't have a job. So he was getting depressed and just moody. Okay. And so, like, he'd be drinking, have some friends over. One would piss him off, and he'd just lose it. Oh, okay. And, like, he would throw, like, stuff up against the wall. Like, and he would go and, like, fuck random girls. And he would tell Carla. He's like, hey, I just fucked this girl. Really? Yeah. Like, like literally, not even rapes, just like yeah, consensual just sex. Consensual sex, yeah. Oh, like in his house. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, he, yeah, he's raping those women in his house too. But like, no. But I thought I didn't know that he was also like doing that too. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and uh, there was one where like his friend had stuck up for Carla. And uh, that was just, like, an outrage, like, a rage from Paul. And he's like, well, get out of my house if you're going to be like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Like He's like, well, if you're going to treat her like shit, like, give her to somebody else. Like, not, like, that she's property, but, like. No, I get what you mean. Damn, dude. She went through a lot. Yes. So, on December 1992... The Center of Forensic Science finally began testing DNA samples provided by Paul three years earlier. And on the 27th of December, Paul severely beat Carla with a flashlight on the limbs, head, and face. Claiming that she had been in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, the severely bruised Carla returned to work on the 4th of January. And uh, her skeptical co-workers called her parents. And they came to um, physically remove her from her house. Like, come, come on, we're rescuing you. Like, come on. Because they knew, like, something was up. Yeah. But Carla went back in, frantically searching for something, which I 100% believe that she was searching for the videotapes. Oh, yeah. Because, like, that's the only proof that, like, he had on her. Yes. (laughs) 
And um, what a time! That's so crazy. That, like your coworkers could know how to get a hold of your parents that quickly. Mm-hmm. The phone book. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, because now you can't even do that. Like, I don't think anybody's ever known my parents' phone number. Mm-mm. Mine either. Well, I, that's why. But <laughs> <laughs> I put mine as my emergency contact. So my brother's mine. Oh, really? My sister's mine. I mean, I could put my parents, but then I don't really help very much (laughs) in those situations. Very upset, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So, so just sidebar on this. So, it kind of baffled me that, uh, that nobody would do an investigation on the parenting of, uh, what was it, Wesley? Mm-hmm. Is that the one that got yeah. locked out of the house? Yeah. Like, why would, after all these things, why wouldn't they be investigating the parents and be like, why did you feel like you, you need to punish your kid by locking them out of the house? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably are punishing themselves, though, like with guilt forever. I would think, right? Yeah, I would think I mean, so. I yeah. would fucking not forgive myself for that. But I would never do that anyway. Like, and my parents would not. I know my parents would never do that to me. Like, they would yell at me. They would be like, they would do a lot, but they would let me in. <laughs> I mean, I once thought my dad, like, got the uh, locks changed because, like, we had a bad fight. I thought you just said you once slapped your dad. Yeah, I thought you <laughs> I said I was like, that wait, too. what? No, only if I would death wish. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents never had to get, like, get onto me, like, yelling or anything like that. Because my dad had, like, a weird way of, like, Telling me what I did and making me feel like shit without saying anything really negative about it. Yes. And I was like, well, crap. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I hate that. That's not even what he said. No, he just, he didn't have to go that far. It's crazy. Sometimes he'd come in, the worst ones were always when he'd come in and I, like, I didn't do my chores or something. And he'd come in and be like, so do you you, you ever plan on mowing the yard or anything? He's like, I was like, oh shit, yeah, I'll go do it. Like, too late. I already did it. And he walk off. Uh, I'm like, well, shit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. <laughs> right? Did you say your dad changed the locks on you? No, I thought he did. I, my, <laughs> oh. Like, my key would just always get jammed, and, like, it. I swear, it did not work. <laughs> and I called my mom, and I was pissed. I was like, he changed the locks. She was like, he did not. And I was like, yes, he did. I'm like, you don't know. I'm coming back. And she's like, no, <laughs> stay <laughs> over there. <laughs> Not enough of you. <laughs> wow. But really. Oh, my gosh. Yes, so, so sorry. Where were we? <laughs> um. Okay, so her parents took her to St. Catherine's General Hospital, and her injuries were documented and she had to give a statement to the NRP. And so she claimed that she was a battered spouse and filed charges against Paul. He was arrested, but later released on his own. Rick Recognance. Recognizance. 
and Carla's parents finally convinced her to take refuge in a home that one of her sisters, Lori's friends, whose husbands was a two husbands, whose <laughs> husband was a Toronto cop. So she's staying with a cop. Yes. So she's good. So February 1993, when the police investigated, were when the police investigation of Paula intensified, both the Toronto Police and the Ontario Green Ribbon Task Force say that five times fast <laughs> wanted to interview Carla. They also wanted her fingerprint. And they wanted to question her about a watch that was very similar to one that Kristen French had owned. That was a very unique Mickey Mouse watch. Where did they find it? I think she was wearing it. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's wearing the watch. Is this like a trophy-like thing? Like, why are you wearing the Mickey Mouse watch? They weren't known to take trophies. They're rich, right? I mean, yeah, I, I guess. Like, oh, they, yeah. I mean, they're well off. Like, they have a nice house. But what the hell? Wow. Kind of crazy. Why is she wearing it? I just want to know. That's like, I don't know. That's just kind of stupid. Uh, it's very stupid. And then several Toronto detectives had interviewed Carla for almost five hours. And by the kind of questions they were asking, Carla understood that the police had tied together the Scarborough rapes with the murders in St. Catharines. Oh, how? How? I don't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> there's always like a, like, it's weird with serial killers. There's always like this habit that they form. It's kind of like a, like a routine that kind of keeps happening. And they tend to do do things like a, really similarly almost every single time. Mm-hmm. So eventually you would catch on to be like, hey, he did this while he was raping them. So then the deaths looked like this, and they were also raped in yeah. a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he had like his little like, like I don't know, I'm not going to say scripted, but he had his little routine that he would do with mm-hmm. them as soon as he started. Probably. Yes, I agree with you. But – pretty ballsy of him to do the recognizance thing because basically what he's saying when he did it was that I'm not going to run. Like, if you summon me back to question me more, I'm still going to come back. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much like he's given the cops his word that he wasn't going to, like, try to run and leave town and that he was going to come back anytime they called him. That's not what that means? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was so confused. So <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, but that's interesting to me as, like, a – but. Because know. he was so confident because he d- yeah. the DNA testing was so far behind, I guess, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, they had just, like, started to process it. Like, it was yeah. just, like, lined up. But yeah, so, so like, the, the first time when he was acting pretty cocky, it was probably that was finally catching up to what was going on. Because it, ta- it would take such a delayed amount of time for them to get the DNA results mm-hmm. back that by the time that he was doing this, the recognizance that DNA was probably already coming back from the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and like they probably didn't inform him that like they that his DNA was up like to yeah. be tested. No, they like yeah. to mess with. Him I like wouldn't. That. I yeah. want to know um why he beat Carla. It basically because like she wouldn't do what he wanted. What 
like she didn't want to continue like kidnapping girls yeah if she was like let's take a break and he's like i want one now bam well bam dang so she's she's trying to back out of it and he's kind of like just break me up another piece of that kit kat let's go <laughs> i mean yes. he's been doing it on his own like that's crazy so, so you said that that Years. he was he was going around uh like fucking other girls like Mm-hmm. Consensually, and then coming to Carla and being like, yeah, "I just fucked her." Yeah, and expected like I would have expected her to snap and kill him. Carla honestly. was a doormat, though. Like, I mean, let's be real, because she who would freaking drug their own sister and give permission, like, like give permission anyways for somebody to do that to anyone, but especially their little sister. Yeah, like the fact that she was already going through enough, she just wanted validation from this dude. Mm-hmm. And she was not getting it. And I just think that she just lost herself to an extent. I mean, it's no excuse. I'm just yeah. saying that, like. Well, it's not. not and a lot of times it's not an excuse. But it's like mentally you can't really understand what that person's thinking. It's like it's like what, it's like like when you're in a relationship and people try to tell you, like, this isn't a good relationship. You're like, no, you don't know. Like, this is good. And then, like, years later, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> should have listened to my friends. <laughs> I feel like I don't know how Carla dealt with it though for so long. But again, they had to hide so much. It's not like she had anybody on the outside being like, "You shouldn't be doing this." Right. Right. Because who do you come to to like talk about it and get comfort, like oh. or advice? You yeah, know? she couldn't confide to anybody about right. that stuff because she would have went to jail. So rip. I mean, she told her friends about the verbal abuse, but like, yeah, that you know that's not gonna be enough. Yeah. Sadly, like your friends are going to tell you no, but like if that, if what they're going through right now was not enough to break them up, then like the friggin' verbal abuse was not gonna, right. <laughs> they were not going to change her mind about that. Yeah. So Carla was understandably nervous and told her uncle that Paul was the serial rapist and that he had killed Kristen French and Leslie Moffey. And she immediately retained a lawyer. And she picked one that she had previously worked with through her job. Because Carla had taken care of a cancer-stricken Dalmatian for a lawyer named George Walker. So, I mean, as long as you know somebody, like, you get taken care of. I guess so. So, over a period of many interviews with Carla... George Walker realized that she was not necessarily the innocent victim of Paul Bernardo that she painted herself to be. Yet, he did not really understand at the point just what exactly her role had been in these crimes. Like how big of a part she actually was in it? Mm-hmm. Because she was originally wanting to seek out immunity if she talked. So she wanted a plea deal? Mm-hmm. Which to me would have been like, why wouldn't you go for a plea deal earlier on? Like I get, like now you've kind of been caught, you know, wearing a Mickey Mouse watch and everything in question. Now you're freaking out. But it's like, like you should have. Because she was forward. in love. Yeah. She thought they were going to be together. She thought, oh, we're going to hunt girls together and he's going to like me. She thought if they got married, everything would be fixed. They did get married. I'm just saying, like. Nothing yeah, changed. I wish, <laughs> yeah, I, I wish there had been like a way for her to be, uh, like. Come forward earlier and mm-hmm. been like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit this for a lighter sentence and everything else, and kind of like 
I don't know, show, like, some humanity, I guess, in the whole mm-hmm. sense. But No, there's no, like, you need to, hold on, we'll get into what she says later about her sister. There, there's well, really, I'm not like, even, no I'm, humanity. Yeah, I'm not even talking about just that in general, but, you know, like, most of these people, like, they have, like, a window where they could have gotten off lighter if they just uh-huh. came forward, but they decide, like, like you said, like, there's no humanity behind half the stuff they do. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, yeah. remorse. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Like, they don't even, like, think about it. They're just like... No, she was like, oh, let me go fix my hair to go eat dinner with my family. (laughs) I gotta look good. Even though, like, this girl I just killed can't ever eat dinner with their family again. You know? Like, do you ever think about that? I don't know. I don't think she does. I'm just like... It's interesting. Like, I'd be interesting to know what these serial killers think when they're locked up. Like, what goes through their head? Like, do they ever, like, reimagine, like... I should have stopped here. I should have stopped here. Or why mm-hmm. did I keep going? Like, kind of question themselves. I always wonder that. I think, at least from what I've seen, like, actual serial killers, they either, if they ever show any remorse, it's from, they never blame themselves. They always blame how they were raised. Or it's, yeah. like, not on them. The blame's on, like, how, like, their parents or world or whatever. Like, yeah. it's not their fault for whatever they did. Or they just bide their time doing other things and they don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Like Jody Arias, she does art. She's on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and get this, there's a page where it's like free Jody. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my she has a. Because she's pretty and like people think like, oh, if she's pretty, she must not have done it. How many <laughs> how many love letters do you think she gets? Like like uh, secret admirer notes and stuff. I bet she gets a lot. Like I mean, there's a ton of serial killer groupies, like, like for the guys. Yeah. Like, because it, it makes you, like, because, you know, they got rid of conjugal visits, so it's like you can't do that anymore. Like, you think people are lining up to be like. What's conjugal visits? Or they get to fuck in, in, oh. in prison. <laughs> or, like, you could have, like, your, like, a guy could have his, like, girlfriend or wife come over and they could spend time in a private room. and. Oh, that was actually legal? Mm-hmm. I thought that that was, um, I thought they just paid guards off to be able to do that. I no. didn't know they actually could No, it was, it, they, they had, like, a certain way that you had to go about it. Like, it wasn't as private as you would think, because they're keeping track of everything but then now they got rid of it now you can't do it oh yeah i don't know i feel like she does have like quite a few because i think a lot of people feel bad for her so she probably has like a lot of simps that are messaging her and like think that she's innocent or like uh that she was like abused I'm like, oh my god, there's still more because like I gotta read her notes on stuff. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, dude. All right, so, um, where was I? So he said that when he interviewed her, like she had like a bigger role than like he thought. Yeah, and she was wanting immunity, and so uh, this would have been desirable for his client, but. He, w- he really wasn't sure what could be negotiated on her behalf in exchange for complete cooperation. So mid-February, Paul Bernard was arrested. And it was in conjunc- conjunction with both the Scarborough rapes and the murder of Moffie and French. Wow. So his Scarborough rapes finally caught up with him. Yes. Was it through the DNA? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, wow. Wait, so he was tied to the, the death of the sister too, right? Not yet. Oh. No, because that, that one was rolled a oh, accident. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Which is crazy. Yep. And um, on February 19th, police executed the search warrant for Paula and Carlo's house and found a found an amazing amount of evidence. Paul had written descriptions in every single one of the Scarborough rapes, plus an extensive library of books and videos on sexual deviation, pornography, and serial killers. Ah. Well, the making like the like notes mm-hmm. of the description on the rapes like makes sense like why he would do that cuz like it was a fantasy that he was living out. So mm-hmm. he would want to remember every single detail. But that's just, like, damning him even more. But, like, the DNA already puts him, like, on there 100%. Yeah. So the police had also found uh, one brief home video that indicated that there was more than one victim in the Bernard household. Quite explicitly, the short video showed uh, Carla as an enthusiastic lesbian. And sexual acts with two other women. A week later, George Walker and Murray Siegel, a plea bargain specialist for the attorney general, discussed the deal for Carla. Carla would get 12 years in prison for each of the two victims. But the sentence would be served concurrently. She would be eligible for parole in a little over three years with good behavior. The government even agreed to contract the parole board on Carla's behalf, pointing out, pointing out to them the importance of her testify or testimony against Paul. And they considered this making a deal with the devil. And. Uh, Seal would do what he could to arrange for Carla. You know, I am struggling so hard not to say Paula. (laughs) (laughs) Carla. Carla. (laughs) That's what their blended name would be. I was about to say that would be their (laughs) ship name. So she she was going to get 12 years per girl and serve them concurrently. Okay, say that again. So she was supposed to get 12 years per girl. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she and, and they were giving her the ability to serve both sentences at the same time. So I think she was going to get 10 years per girl, and then um, the added on two years are going to be two for her sister. But they knew about the sister at this point? Not yet, but they did include that in the sentencing when they were describing it. Oh. Well, that's like, that's a crazy deal. Like, mm-hmm. like you should be, technically any other person, it'd be 24 years. Yeah. But she gets to do both of them at the same time as they're running, mm-hmm. which is, like, crazy. Yep. Send somebody out there who's easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so, so what, Siegel would do what he could to arrange for Carla to serve out her sentence in a psychiatric hospital instead of the prison. The trial would be very brief. And she would waive her rights to preliminary hearing. In exchange for this leniency, Carla would agree to the absolute truth about her involvement in the crimes and everything she knew about them. In 
early March, Carla was checked into the psychiatric hospital for assessment. She was given heavy doses of drugs and insisted on being given even larger doses. Eventually, Carla got up the nerve to write an important letter to her parents. Okay, so I'm going to read this to y'all. It says, Dear Mom, Dad, and Lori, This is the hardest letter, hardest letter I've ever had to write, and you'll probably all hate me once you read it. I've kept this inside myself for so long, and I just can't lie to you anymore. Both Paul and I are responsible for Tammy's death. Paul was in love with her and wanted to have sex with her. He wanted me to help him. He wanted me to get sleeping pills from work to drug her with. He threatened me and physically and emotionally abused me when I refused. No words I can say can make you understand what he put me through. So stupidly, I agreed to do as he said. But something, maybe the combination of drugs and the food she ate that night, caused her to vomit. I tried so hard to save her. I am so sorry. But no words I can say can bring her back. I would gladly give my life for hers. I don't expect you to ever forgive me, for I will never forgive myself. Carla, XOXO. So, yeah, the XOXO made me think of you, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say it's a weird, like, punctuation at the end of that whole thing is to do the XOXO. Right. kisses. Gosh. Especially after writing something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even know, you know, like. <laughs> but there was something, <sighs> what? I can't find the exact thing, but basically, um, Carla was pissed at her parents because they, she wanted them to, like, buy her a present or something, and they were still depressed about. Oh, for her wedding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because her sister had just died, and. Do you, still, do you have that on there? I don't have it on there, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and so she's literally like, get over it, Dad. Like, yeah, Tammy's it, dead, and she's not coming back. And, like, she's just, like, being a brat, basically, like, mm-hmm. about it. And she's, like, um, just she's just mad because she's not getting a wedding present and that her parents aren't over the death of Tammy. No, they were pissed. She was pissed because uh, she wanted, like, a big wedding which, I mean, she got, but, like, he was like, why don't you just go elope, and, like, you'll be good. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no. Dang. No, I can't do that. And it, then, like, uh, he was saying, Tammy wanted, like, this really nice car, and I would have got it for her. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I bet, I bet she was mad. But, yeah. I couldn't find the exact letter, but I know exactly what you're talking so, about. So how long after that death they got married? After Tammy's? Mm-hmm. Which one, which was the girl that they killed when they got like married like almost immediately afterwards? Oh, no. That, um, was, that was Leslie uh, Moffey. Yeah. The one that um, 
the cement blocks yeah, appeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm just trying to think of it like so so she was throwing a fit this long after the death. Mm-hmm. Even though the parents were still like, that's bullshit, our kid died. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Yep. Terrible. Yep. So, so, um, Carla's trial had a media circus atmosphere about it when it began on June 28, 1993. Burnside and Carnes described the defendant, Carla, or quote, Carla sat impassively wearing a green jacket over a one-piece green dress that seemed oversized and somehow too broad for her slender shoulders. On her feet were black shoes with a slight heel, unlike her court appearance a month earlier. She wore a schoolgirl's uni- or a schoolgirl's tartan kilt, and blazer. Kilt. Kilt. <laughs> Carla now looks somewhat... Matronly? Matronly. Thank you. I was like, that is not how you say it. Like, and I cannot get it. <laughs> um, yet her clothes were out of place with the false eyelashes, deep red lipstick, and heavily caked foundation on her face. If she was... Matronly, then she was a matronly Lolita. Lolita. End quote. Her psychiatric report helped set the stage for the plea bargain deal. Dr. Malcolm, the psychologist, concluded that Carla knew what was happening, but she felt totally helpless and unable to act in her own defense or in anyone else's defense. She was in she was, in my opinion, paralyzed with fear and in that in the state became obedient and self serving. At the end of the trial, the media people left allowed only to report a few of the details so that the jury pool that would be selected in the future for Paul's trial would not be tainted with information they heard or read before the trial. Expecting a a public outcry over the plea bargain, Murray Siegel chose to make a statement. Why not a greater penalty in light of the horrendous facts? Without her, the true state of affairs might never be known. A guilty plea in the traditional hallmark of remorse, her age, her lack of criminal record, the abuse, and the influence of her husband, and her somewhat secondary role were factors. She is unlikely to reoffend. I'm still, I'm still like, it concerns me that they're like, here's 10 years per person, but we're only going to give you two for your sister. Mm-hmm. They only gave two for Tammy? Yeah. Yep. What? Right. So she should have been serving like 30, but instead she served 12. That is crazy. Yeah. Yep. Well, so I don't know. What the fuck? <laughs> what is the Canadian system like compared to well, American? Well, like, after they made the deal of 12 years, like, 
they weren't able to go back after like the new evidence. Yeah, that's like, the thing with the plea bargain. Like they found out a lot of shit after because mm-hmm. that's when they find the tapes. So, there, so she put a wedding invitation in her casket. In Tammy's? Uh huh. Because they had to like, uh, like get exhume her body to investigate mm-hmm. it after that whole thing, and they said there was like invitations and letters and stuff in the casket. And that the family's like, when you re-intern her, don't leave those in there. Yeah, take them out. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. I mean, at least they took them out. Yeah. So, as for Paul, um, the trial of Paul Bernardo was delayed two years after his arrest. One of the reasons for the delay was that he had placed his first lawyer, Ken Murray, in a very difficult ethical situation because he had given Murray the videotapes that he and Carla had made with their adventures, believing that they are doing so. They would never get in the hands of the prosecutors. So all their little... Wait, so, so you're trying to get his lawyer to cover it up? Uh-huh. Because the lawyer's not allowed to share it, right? Yep. Attorney-client privilege. Yep. However, the prosecutors knew the videotapes from Carla and had wiretapped Murphy's conversations with Paul. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa. They can do that? I guess. I mean, (laughs) in a case like that, yeah. Shit. Eventually, the pressure increased, and Murray had to do something about the videotapes in his possession. The videotapes were turned over to the prosecutor, and Murray withdrew from the case. Veteran defense lawyer John Rawson took his place as Paul's lawyer. This series of activities alone caused a delay of one year in the, tri- in the start of the trial. Always takes forever. Mm-hmm. So, in May of 1995, Paul's trial began, and it was in Judge Patrick Lesage's courtroom with the videotapes as critical pieces of evidence. He faced two counts of of first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated sexual assault, two counts of forcible confinement, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of performing an indignity on a human body. And the Crown's prostitution. Prosecution? I cannot talk. Prostitution. Uh, Prostitution. (laughs) Prosecution. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Um belief that Paul had first dominated Carla, reducing her to a compliant victim through systematic physical and mental abuse, then used her to exploit his sexual fantasies and the rape of Tammy Homolka, a rape in which Carla participated. Unable to shake free of Paul's violent control and he would reveal her role in Tammy's death to her parents. Carla then took part 
and the rapes and, mur- and murders of Kristen French and Leslie Moffey. So the Crown Prosecutor Ray Hallon began with the segment showing Carlin naked, masturbating, with the camera focused on her vagina. For the previous two years, ever since Carla's arrest, she had been on television and the footage taken at her wedding with her friends and at her trial. But they didn't expect to see her full frontal. It seemed like an odd way for the prosecutor to treat his witness. However, Hulan explained that the dialogue in the videos had been scripted by Paul and was a good example of how he forced his will on Carla proving she was a willing participant. The tape was clearly geared to sexually excite Paul. As Carla talked of procuring 13-year-old virgins for him to rape. The whole dialogue was an articulation of Bernardo's sexual fantasies with the goal of bringing him to a climax. Carla played the role of a sex slave and Paul was the king. What she described in her relationship with Paul was she was escalating theme of sexual degradation. Degradation? Yes, thank you. Similar to what Paul had begun with other girlfriends before he had met Carla. And Carla, the willing victim, the degradation knew no boundaries he made her wear dogs choke collars and just many other sadistic fantasies he was at least successful in showing Carla to be a moral vacuous woman with no remorse for her part in these crimes in particular, Kristen's murder had been committed at a, a particular time, so Carla and Paul could spend Easter dinner with her parents. Immediately after Kristen was strangled, Carla left to blow dry her hair. If it was not immediately clear at the trial, it became clear shortly after that Carla had cleverly manipulated the circumstances of her cooperation with the government to engineer one of the worst deals that the Canadian government had ever made with the criminal witness. Yeah, like, I remember one of the things, um, one of the tapes was a sex tape with um, Carla and Paul, and she was dressed in Tammy's clothes mm-hmm. after Tammy's death and was pretending to be her. And was talking about how she wishes, like, she, like, they could do it again or something. Like, she loved helping him rape those girls, like, including her sister. And, like, I mean, what guilt did she have there? Like, yeah. It was just, like, crazy. Wait, what happened to the friend? Oh, I don't know. She just kind of. What friend? There was that friend that they brought over and, like, drugged, like, twice and did shit. I think. I don't think, well, they didn't kill her. Well, I know, but, yeah. like, wouldn't that have been brought up? I mean, no, right? Wouldn't that be another rape charge, at least? Like, yeah. You would think, but, like, nobody, like, mentions her. 
right? Or I hadn't brushed up on it. Like, I haven't heard about that one either. But, like, I mean, it does say in the case, Jane Doe. So maybe, maybe it was added to, like, his charges. Maybe. How would they even find out? That's what I want to know. I mean, unless Carla, like, specifically said. When she decided to get immunity, mm-hmm. she, like, brought that up? Yes. So regardless of Carla's degree of guilt or innocence and the deal that she had made with the authorities, it did not save Bernardo from the out- outrage that he kindled in the minds of the jurors. On September 1st, 1995, Bernardo was connect- convicted <laughs> on all the charges against him regarding the kidnappings, rapes, and murders of Leslie Moffey and Kristen French. He also faced trials trials in the death of Tammy Hamolka and the serial rapes in Scarborough, which he had fully confessed to the rapes in Scarborough, which he never fully confessed to the rapes in Scarborough until 2006, leaving a 19-year-old named Anthony Hanamere in prison for 16 months, and he was eventually exonerated in 2008. Dang. They arrested somebody else mm-hmm. for it? How? I, no. I, it's, it's really crazy that the police are like, you look suspicious, but we don't have enough right now, so go away. And then they come back again, and it's still the same, pretty much the same thing. Right? Like, I mean, obviously the DNA didn't match, so, like, how did they, that guy stay in prison for that long? I don't know. But under Canadian law, Paul Bernardo can apply for parole after 25 years in prison. Although it's highly unlikely that he would be successful in parole at all. So, an update on Carla, since she is outliving her life. So, I don't really have a lot of information about her, but I will say this, that she did marry her lawyer's brother, and she has three kids now. Yikes. Big yikes. Yeah, I didn't really follow up a lot because I started doing this at like four in the morning and I was tired. So, all right, so it says that Paul is 55 now. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Like, I did read that, uh, so with her kids, like, she was like, like, really involved with like school stuff. And then, like, once the parents caught wind of like who she was, they're like, um, no. And then she got fired? Yeah. So, what, um, how long did she end up serving in prison for? 12 years. She had 12 years? Okay. I was just curious. Oh. Yep, and that's all I got. Do y'all have any questions? Concurrent 12 <laughs> years. That's what still baffles me is that she got concurrent. Which is dumb. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that's, like, mad about it. <laughs> No, I'm with you. I mean, they called it the deal with the devil. So, I mean, because they took, in their mind, right, first of all, they didn't know that she was as involved as she actually was. Mm -hmm. And, like they said, they would not have 
who knows had he even gotten caught if they hadn't have done that had she not come forward had she not gotten beat yeah that's where it came from yeah i didn't even know they broke up that way like i'm surprised they actually like it she didn't. literally got rescued i bet she did i bet he just expected her to like go on with the lie and come back home and that was it mm-hmm. yeah like i bet he was like whoa yeah yeah, look at the picture. She was beat so bad. Oh, there's a picture of it? Yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. Still. Fascinating. Here, I got my email. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll get that. Yeah, right there. Whoa. Holy shit. Yeah, it's so bad. But um, I did watch that movie Carla um, on Donna. TV. And Hot Donna's in it. <laughs> Hot Donna. Um, yeah, she plays Carla, and it was kind of hard to pay attention. Creepy. <laughs> it's just crazy, because you look at them, and they look like the perfect couple, really. Uh-huh. They were not at all. And anyway. Dude, like. so I looked this up. And uh, so this one I thought was going to be like a scary jump at me type uh. thing. Hold on. I didn't mean to show you that. Sorry. <laughs> God. <laughs> I, I just saw show Tammy's you autopsy photo on accident. Who? Tammy's, Tammy's autopsy photo. Oh. What is this? Is this their, oh, they're opening like Christmas gifts? Yeah, it's their. Maybe. Was that Tammy? No, that was just one of their friends. The one playing with the ice was. Tammy. Her. Who's filming? Uh, Paul. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I mean, like... You know, you know what the creepy part about old school home movies, like, back in, like, the 70s and shit? is like, it always seems like nobody ever knows who filmed <laughs> the event going on, but somebody always got it. Right. Like look at look at little Timmy doing a little somersault and I was like, where were you? I was like, I was at work. Where was the mom? Uh, she was in the kitchen. <laughs> like, who filmed it? Little Timmy doing the somersault. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. I still it still baffles me. They're just like, hey, this is gonna happen, and then we're just gonna go have dinner with the family. <laughs> they have no idea. I mean, that's taking it to a new extreme. Like, you were talking about, like, oh, just had sex. Like, does anybody notice? But, like, they're just like, oh, yeah, just killed family member. Anybody notice? Like well, it also <laughs> kind of looks like Paul Dano. I don't know if you've ever seen There Will Be Blood. Uh-uh. I have not. But. Actually, Paul Dano's probably a lot closer than fucking Luke Diamond. I don't know. They're pretty close. Both of them are. Paul Dano. He does look like him. Yeah, I see that. That's just crazy to me. Yep. So sad. 
that's what that's my biggest fear. Like I always thought, like it'd be cool for people to like point out, like, oh, you look like this celebrity or this person. But like, how do you feel if somebody comes up with you look like this ser- serial killer? Yeah. Sometimes I'll bring up random facts about serial killers and I'll compare it to my friends. They're just like, don't compare me to Ted Bundy, Kelly. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. You're going to do that now to people that go to a restaurant. They go, do you order spaghetti? Huh? <laughs> you eating spaghetti now? <laughs> yeah, I don't want it mixed with drugs. Thank like Alexis, you. Alexis laces hers with ranch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me that ranch. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Um, we're going to go ahead and get out of here, but remember, follow us on Instagram at central underscore crazies underscore podcast. And you can also email us at centralcrazyspodcast at gmail.com. We want to thank you, Jorge, for coming on with us. It's like your second time. Yeah, How's it not. feel? Did you like it? No, that one was great. I can't <laughs> believe we went for like an hour and 40 minutes. Dang. Dang. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.